0: How does Bitcoin turn magically into gold? Well, by forking and calling itself Bitcoin Gold. And what about Bitcoin Segwit2x? Coinfused? Well, we are. How do you avoid paying large transaction fees when sending crypto? And crypto expert Chris Dunn is brave enough to sit down with us to discuss adopting a mentality for healthy trading and investing. Can you believe it's already episode number 36 of the Bad Crypto Podcast? Us either. Deal with it. Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto-curious and the crypto-serious. I'm Joel Com. he's Travis Wright, and we're already confused.
1: I'm so confused, you guys, uh, but I'm just glad to be here. Episode 36 is where we are, and uh, we got some interesting topics for you today, folks.
0: Blockchain blockheads all up in the house. Thanks for listening and subscribing and sharing and reviewing. Of course, we're in the midst of Bad Cryptober and many thousands of shares already. If you'll go to Bad, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm channeling Porky Pig. <laughs> That's all. Bad, 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 bad Coin. Uh, Badco.in forward slash Bad Cryptober. It's where you can get information and discover how you can get up to a million.
1: A million bad coin, and there has, as Joel mentioned, there's been a ton of submissions already. And the winner, we will draw one winner at the end of Bad Cryptober, and that person will get 25 million bad coin, which is more bad coin than there are Bitcoin. So, I mean, we probably should have made it 21 million bad coin. They were like, "I have them all. I have all the bad coin." Like, there's only 21 million ever. <laughs> No, there's 10 billion of
0: the bad coin. Yes, all the bad coin. So, uh, yeah, we appreciate you. Thanks for writing and giving your great feedback and for asking questions, because we like the questions. In fact, here's one now. Good
1: day from Australia. Thanks for the podcast, fellas. Really enjoying it. And I've recommended it to a few people. Uh, My question is about exchanges and trading cryptocurrency. It's difficult to find an exchange that doesn't charge you deposit fees, transfer fees, withdrawal fees, etc. Do you know if it is possible to trade and swap cryptocurrency with other people uh, without losing crypto on transaction fees? After all, I thought the whole idea of the crypto movement was to move away from the fees and charges. Thanks again. Cheers. Alex
0: from Australia put another shrimp on the barbie alex that's not a knife no i that's a knife I, that's that's pretty good travis uh, and thanks for the question alex appreciate you writing us from all the way down under and sending a a little wallaby to bring us that email you are correct that we do want to move away from fees and charges and really the place you're going to get stung the most is when you're purchasing Crypto from the exchanges, especially on Coinbase, right? Those fees are not fun.
1: They are not, and that's a point of contention, uh, which actually brings us to some of the news that we're going to talk about today, right? But that's actually, you know, the the true message of the original Bitcoin that Satoshi Nakamoto had. That he wants to ha- wanted us to have low fees and. Quick transactions. Well, what's happened over time with some of these cryptos is it's been high transaction fees and slow transactions. So, you know, that's, that's one of the things is that, you know, on some, and I don't, I don't necessarily know how it all works, but apparently on some exchanges or on some wallets, you can actually choose uh how much transaction fee that you're willing to give. Now some some of the exchanges and whatnot will charge you their own amount, like Coinbase charges you whatever they want because that's that's kind of how they make their money, right? And so yeah, I don't know that there's any way to uh to avoid crypto fees except for hodling and not spending it. Well yeah but
0: but moving it to your wallet, right? When you once you get it onto your own wallet, then the transaction fees are low. So you know just sending peer-to-peer then usually your transaction fees are going to be negligible i think it's really just that initial purchase on the exchanges where you can get that little ding that you're like "Mm," which is another good reason to start at coinbase but then get your coins off of coinbase
1: that is true or like what i do on some cases i actually will move some of that stuff to the coinbase vault and the Coinbase vault moves immediately. The only problem is is that it takes about two twenty for forty eight hours, actually, I believe. Forty eight hours to transfer it out of the vault. So it's a it's a more secure type of a thing. But then again, whatever you leave in there, you don't necessarily own the private keys to them. So as Joel mentioned, much better to get those off and get them in your own wallet. Especially when the
0: Plenty of uh, discussion about uh, wallets in previous episodes, so just look through uh, the show notes. Go to badcryptopodcast.com and just search for wallet, and you'll find that stuff. Yes, and there are some weird forkenings getting ready to happen with Bitcoin, so let's go to the news. You know, it wasn't that long ago that Bitcoin forked and Bitcoin cash became a reality. And as of this recording, Bitcoin Cash, that went as high as $800 per coin, sitting around 300 right now, while Bitcoin continues to increase. Well, now we've got more forking on the way. And what is this Bitcoin Gold thing?
1: Bitcoin Gold. This I don't know if it's for sure that it's going to be forking, but they say that the, it's potentially hard forking currency is, is as it will be called Bitcoin Gold, is basically an attempt to wrestle away the lucrative mining component. Of Bitcoin, because there's a few really large firms that have basically monopolized the creation of these digital currency because they have so much mining power, so much hash power, so many, so much computing power that they've been able to mine most of the Bitcoin, which really sort of takes it away from the whole democratization that Satoshi Nakamoto had really envisioned. You know, more people having nodes you know, all over and, and multiple people being able to make money. But with all of these mining farms and pools, they're out there holding all the cards within within Bitcoin, and they're able to to vote, you know, and, and control most of the voting. They're able to manipulate prices and fees. And so, you know, Bitcoin Gold really wants to bring back the at-home enthusiast miners back in the day, right, when you could mine on your laptop and whatnot, which uh, I wish I was part of. <laughs>
0: So apparently this fork is kind of a reaction to Bitmain that's a huge miner in China. Um, and I guess their leader, his name is Jihan Wu, who had a big part in creating Bitcoin cash. This is supposed to give power back to the at-home Enthusiast miners, right? Regular people rather than having all the Bitcoin mining firms in the hands of a few that are able to manipulate things. So I'm assuming that if you're holding Bitcoin that you're also going to get Bitcoin gold. And you just want to make sure that when this happens, and apparently it's the tentative date is October 25th, you don't want to have your Bitcoin on an exchange. You want to have it in a wallet. Cause remember, Travis, those that had their Bitcoin on Coinbase and probably some other exchanges back when the Bitcoin cash fork happened, they didn't get Bitcoin cash. But those of us who had our Bitcoin in our cold or, or hard storage wallets, we did get equal amount of Bitcoin cash for every Bitcoin that we had.
1: And another thing that's interesting about this is that so not only is, you know, they want to um, democratize the mining and bring it back, but they're also changing their proof of work algorithm to something called Equahash. And it's a memory-hard algorithm, which means home computers like uh, GPUs will be able to profitably mine Bitcoin Gold, and you not you not need those ASIC computers that uh, are just huge, right? They just take up so much juice and electricity. So, yeah, interesting thing uh, that this is coming. So. That might be why you know we noticed earlier this week where you know Bitcoin uh, was was cruising up in the markets and some of the altcoins were down. It looked like uh, maybe some people were pulling money out of altcoins and putting it into Bitcoin so that they could uh, benefit from the, uh, the the fork.
0: This seemed to really come out of nowhere too because there's not a lot of technical information out there about this and it's already causing some problems so this one is a surprise to us what isn't a surprise is segwit 2x which is another hard fork that is going to occur in november
1: what the fork's going on joel i mean we we i don't know we made that comment before but i mean it's serious when you're talking about all these different SegWits. So SegWit2x is essentially, in in my mind, from whenever we were talking with Roger Ver, right? So the original Bitcoin is really sort of Bitcoin SegWit1x, and now they're creating Bitcoin SegWit2x, which I guess is the two megabit size blocks instead of the one megabit size blocks. And then we also have Bitcoin Cash and then we we're going to have bitcoin gold and then i i asked roger this so how long until we have bitcoin 8 or segwit 8x where they want 8 megabit blocks so i mean it's, just, it's it's wild to see how this is all sort of panning out. It's, confu- it's coin-fusing.
0: It is very coin-fusing. There's a story on Cointelegraph where Charlie Lee, who was with Coinbase and is the Litecoin founder, is petitioning Coinbase to make sure they handle this fork better than they did the last one. Because remember, people who were forking on Coinbase didn't get their Bitcoin cash. So he's asking Coinbase to do right by their customers by making it clear as soon as possible how they intend to handle this fork and the resulting chains because there was a lot of people that were really upset that they had their bitcoin on the coinbase exchange and then they're like what everybody else gets bitcoin cash and we get nothing else you get nothing you get nothing and like it you like it you get nothing come back for your bitcoin one year
1: you go home now it's very it's again i mean we've said it before very coin fusing you guys so we try to help make sense of this stuff when sometimes this stuff doesn't make any sense and so here we are like you know so wow so segwit 2x is happening in november we're having uh bitcoin gold happening in october are we is there anything coming
0: up in uh, december we need to know about we need to fork bad coin we do yeah we need to have a bad coin i'm gonna spoon it i'm gonna I to spoon my bad coin. Uh you know, another piece that came out recently, it's not really news, it's more like commentary, but an interesting article on Inc.com from Quora, why payment companies like PayPal and Stripe aren't afraid of Bitcoin. Who's afraid of Bitcoin?
1: Who's afraid of the big bad Bitcoin? Yeah, and so a lot of these a lot of these companies here, they think that, you know, some people are saying, "Oh, is it an existential st- threat to them to Stripe or to PayPal?" And probably not. You know, most merchants who accept Bitcoin today, they do it for the publicity or they do it to serve a very specific demographic or customer. There's not a huge, overwhelming majority of transactions in Bitcoin, there's not. I mean, there's just a few, right? But as yet, yeah, yet, right, right. So, but as as this grows over time, there'll be more people who want to spend their money in crypto. I mean, as I mentioned uh, in a previous episode when I did the Martech conference keynote, and I asked 1,200 marketing technologists in the room how many of them actually had Bitcoin, and like one percent of them had it. Like, and that that's a pretty that's a pretty smart subset of of culture. So it's kind of surprising. So still. There's not that's not necessarily why uh, you know they're, they're they're threatened yet
0: there's a couple things here you know first of all when they are getting their Bitcoin they're converting it quickly to fiat so they pretty much have an idea of how much money they're actually getting the other thing is returns refunds and dispute resolutions you know the thing about credit cards like MasterCard and Visa is they understand the rules and requirements for both uh, the merchants and consumers you're able to to charge back you know know reverse charges pretty easily. It's much more difficult right now with Bitcoin or other currencies handle and manage refunds simpler. There's really there's not as much power for the consumer, right? Because once the Bitcoin is sent You can't just, there's nobody to call to say, I want to charge back. That has to guarantee it. Whereas with, you know, the bank's back Visa and MasterCard, and if you call and say, I didn't make this purchase, or I got screwed by the merchant, they'll always charge it back and investigate. So, you know, in time, we're going to see that merchant processors are going to be affected, but not quite yet.
1: Agreed. Agreed. One final piece of news, the Ethereum Bitcoin hybrid EBTC uh, has gained 300% on investor hype here recently. So there's a new altcoin calling itself the new ERC-20 Bitcoin, right, which is kind of it's strange because that's ERC, you know, that's the Ethereum uh, protocol. And so basically what this is is they're attempting to become a tokenized version of Bitcoin on the Ethereum blockchain, and they completed an airdrop to uh, Ethereum holders prior to its debut on October 1st.
0: Yeah, the thing launched with a value of about three cents per token, but as of the date of this article, it had shot up 334% to 20 cents a token. So, you know, and if you got in early and you sold at, you know, 20 cents, you made a sizable Return on your investment. And you know, again, I don't do much trading, but it certainly seems worthwhile if you're gonna get in early on a coin to watch to see where it goes and to take some profits off the table if you're able. But not being a financial advisor, what do I know?
1: Right. And it just that just adds to the coin fusion. EBTC, BTC, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin SegWit 2. What is going on?
0: I don't know, but maybe our guest in our feature today can provide a little insight into the mentality of both investing and trading in cryptocurrency. His name is Chris Dunn. He's a new friend of ours and a friend of the shows on YouTube at Chris Dunn TV. And well, we had a chance to sit down with him. Well, I was sitting, I don't know if he was standing because he was elsewhere doing the interview. And I don't know if Travis was sitting, standing or doing jumping jacks, but we did talk to the guy and you get to listen to it. Hey, Travis, we got a special guest with us today.
1: Woo-hoo. Love special guests.
0: And woo-hoo, extra who. He actually, you know, we were just going to jump into the feature, and this dude walked in the door, just came off the street and said, I want to talk Bitcoin. And so thought we'd let him in.
2: I know a guy who knows a guy. Thanks for taking me off the street, guys. I appreciate that. I, I needed some shelter.
1: Yeah. He's like, brother, can you spare a Bitcoin? <laughs>
0: This guy was walking down the street. There was a shiny new Bitcoin, you know, laying there in the street. He picked it up. Actually, uh, this is a guy who's been in the Bitcoin uh, space far longer than we have. His name is Chris Dunn. He is an active Bitcoin investor and trader. He's the founder of the Skill Incubator, which is home to the largest premium community of cryptocurrency traders and investors in the world. He day traded stocks and futures for over 10 years, and then he got woke. He went full-time into the cryptocurrency market in 2013, and he's been featured as a cryptocurrency thought leader in publications like Fox News and Entrepreneur Magazine. Welcome, Chris Dunn, to the Bad Crypto Podcast.
2: Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Thanks for being had.
2: That is great. So
1: how did you get your start into this whole crypto world, and uh, what kind of journey has it taken you on so far, Chris?
2: Well, I'll just say, man, the, the past few years has been just incredibly wild Coming from the stock market and kind of the, the legacy financial markets, when I first heard about Bitcoin, it was like 2011. I was like, hey, man, you got to check out this new magic internet money thing. And I looked at it and said, nope, that's a scam. I'm not going to get into it. And was stubborn for about two years until finally in 2013. I'm like, you know what? There is absolutely something to this. This solves all of the beef that I have with the traditional. Financial markets like the stock market and futures markets and went all in man just completely changed my focus and Started investing and trading in crypto, but it's kind of funny because my my first kind of public remarks about Bitcoin was actually bearish or or negative It was the the later part of 2013 when the price went from about a hundred bucks to over a thousand my first blog post was actually a warning saying that I I thought that was a a temporary bubble and we were due for some wild volatility. And then over the next year, Bitcoin crashed by over
0: 80%. Well, you were, you were kind of right about that, but then uh, did you buy then?
2: Absolutely. 2015 was a year where a lot of my friends were saying like, Chris, you're crazy. Like just give up on Bitcoin. You know, all the Bitcoin obituaries were coming out like every single week and thankfully my uh, my business partner and i just had a lot of conviction that this was a long-term play and there was going to be some real-world use case not for just bitcoin and crypto as a tradable asset but it was actually going to change lives and and really affect the world in a positive way so throughout 2015 and 16 just started accumulating and actively trading it
0: we feel that conviction too don't we travis
1: we do it's such a fun space i've noticed that since you know we've gotten deeper and deeper into the crypto world that my actual consumerist behavior has decreased substantially because i compare it with like why would i want to spend that much money on that i that's x percentage of an ethereum or that's a little bit of a litecoin or that's you know i could i could get myself x amount of this one token that i'm looking at like so it's so funny, like the amount, the, the lack of uh, Amazon deliveries to my door it probably perplexes my postman.
0: Yeah, why do that when you could become a Dogecoin billionaire? Right.
2: (laughs) Just keep stacking the hardware wallets. Right.
0: Absolutely. So, you know, you've gone on to create a YouTube channel, which is very successful. I'm looking at it right now for those that want to check out Chris on YouTube. It's Chris Dunn TV and his last name is spelled D-U-N-N. He's got almost one hundred and twenty four thousand subscribers. How long you been at this on YouTube?
2: Uh, So I started posting Bitcoin videos on YouTube in 2013. And I, I had the channel for a while before that, but didn't really take it seriously. And crypto was really the first thing that had me so inspired that I just did videos on a regular basis.
1: And and you've done a ton of videos at this point, right? So you, you have a pretty substantial audience over there on the YouTubes. What was some of the uh, things that you found that helped you gain your audience and grow it and, and become more successful in the space? Because, I mean, you, I've seen your videos. They're great. And you're getting a ton of engagement on those.
2: Yeah. So. I, I guess the reason why the community's grown so much is back in 2014 I started publicly posting trade alerts and predictions for the the price of bitcoin and turns out it was pretty accurate you know my thing is just I, I'm I'm real big about self-education and I just think that the crypto space is so new and so interesting. And there's a lot of people that don't understand it. So as I was learning, I just wanted to put kind of the things that I was doing and the lessons that I was learning out there to help other people.
0: Yeah. Well, that's kind of how this show started is Travis and I got infatuated with crypto and decided, hey, we're going to learn this. Let's learn and teach people what we learn and be wrong half of the time. And so, you know, we've been on this journey. But, you know, for myself, I'm an investor and I'm not really, Really a trader. Travis does a little bit of trading, but you know, time prohibits a lot of people from actually keeping their eye on it. You are both an investor and a trader, and you help people to develop a mindset about both investing and trading. You know, what does it take to do this successfully?
2: It takes reprogramming a ton of stuff that we're taught from when we're little kids up to business professionals a lot of the things that come natural as humans or that we're taught growing up are the things that will cause you to lose money as an investor or a
0: trader like don't sit too close to the tv your eyes will get (laughs) crossed
2: like everybody knows buy low sell high right it's it's just it's a cliche at this point but there's a reason why Probably over ninety percent of people actually do the exact opposite without even realizing it.
1: That's what I do. There, that's the profiting way, right? You want to buy high, sell low. That's the best way to lose money.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's incredible how much human emotion actually drives decisions. You know, when people have FOMO and they see like you know Bitcoin go from a thousand to five thousand in a, a few months, you know that just creates a this like fire sale of just FOMO people just wanting to buy high and then when it crashes 30 or 40%, which it's done by the way this year alone over half a dozen times, they they panic sell at the bottom and they wonder why they they actually lose money over time. So my kind of obsession over the past decade or so has been just really understanding mass human psychology and particularly how it pertains to the the financial
0: markets. I think you should register fomoandfud.com. Right. And it could be all about the highs and lows of crypto. So let's uh, get into some content here that would give people instruction on developing the mental game to be able to trade and invest in crypto.
2: Yeah. I mean, so the the biggest thing that I found, like when it comes to finding successful investments and, and doing it the right way is have a conviction when everybody thinks you're crazy. Right. Like if you find a, a new cryptocurrency that's cheap and not on anybody's radar and you see the potential for it to explode, you know, that could be a good investment where once everybody's kind of piled in and price has gone up a hundred, five hundred, five thousand percent, right? Like it's impossible to know where the top of a market is, but people that are buying just because everybody else has already bought Those are usually the people that buy closer to a top. And then after everybody sells, they're the ones that are selling at the bottom. So, you know, again, it kind of comes down to conviction and and just thinking of where the herd is going to be, meaning what are the mass majority of people going to think and do and behave like in the future? And if you can pick the right investments early, that's where you're going to make the biggest returns.
1: I agree. So let me ask you this. So. Aside from all of that, say you are, you know, maybe explaining blockchain to a complete noob, right? Or you're explaining crypto to a complete noob. What is your go-to? How do you help people understand? Is there something, is there like a little metaphor or a story that you can share that, that you help people kind of get a grasp of this confusing space?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so I'm a just a big fan of entrepreneurship. and. I've done quite a bit of traveling, and so for case in point, I went to Myanmar a, a year ago, formerly Burma, and one of the, the biggest problems that local entrepreneurs have there is they can't get merchant accounts. They live in a cash-based society. They very rarely accept credit cards in their businesses, and so I sat down with just a, a group of guys, young entrepreneurs that wanted to make money on the internet, and so I showed them how they could either do freelancing or trading and Profit from a decentralized digital currency that their government doesn't control, you know, so I I like to use real world use cases as examples, when I'm explaining crypto, not just as like this magic internet money, that's a speculative investment that if you throw a hundred dollars at it, you're going to become a millionaire. You know, I like to really just focus on how is it changing the world today? What are the real world use cases? Uh, another one would be, you know, I went to uh, central America, I was down in Panama city and I was talking to some Venezuelans that were working in Panama and For anybody that doesn't know, Venezuela is going through an incredibly bad crisis with hyperinflation and people are starving and dying. It's it's just really sad what's happening down there. And, you know, I've talked to several people that were working in Panama City, sending money home to Venezuela. So they were earning U.S. dollars in Panama, sending money home through these wire transfer services that take anywhere from 10 to 50 percent. So they're already making minimum wage, trying to send money home to a currency that is just getting devalued to nothing and so you know just being able to show people like that how they can not only send money home for free but also put it in an asset that is going to retain its value much better than bolivars
0: well i know there's all kinds of tools that people use especially when they're looking for you know the right times to buy and sell i don't really get into technical analysis much because it makes my brain explode. But, you know, what do you use and what do you recommend?
2: Yeah. So when, when you go down that rabbit hole of technical analysis, you can waste years of your life going down and, and learning about tools that really have no value. When it comes to analyzing markets and just trying to make like buying and selling decisions, obviously timing is a big issue. And so what I look at are what's called major market structure zones. So I do use technical analysis. And the way that I like to relate all of the squiggly lines on a chart is just by asking a very simple question, which is, what is the mass majority of people doing and believing today? And how do I think that will shift in the near future? Right, And then whatever the answer to that question is, I tried to relate that to a price chart And if I see an area where I think there's either a really strong buying opportunity, like back in 2015, or where the market goes up too fast, like we've seen this year, uh, where it's gone from a thousand to five thousand and, and just, you know, three quarters, I think that's a good place to maybe take some profit. So no matter if you're an active trader or somebody that's like, look, I don't want to trade at all. I'm just a hodler and I just want to be in this. I think a good, valuable question to ask is what what is the mass majority of people doing and thinking and believing today, and how could that change in in the coming months or years?
1: Love that. And so, you know, maybe any any final words of wisdom for people who uh, who are in the space. You know, do you recommend hodling? Do you recommend, you know, what is this space going to look like a a few years down the road? I mean, you know, what are some final words of wisdom that you might have for our wonderful bad
2: kryptonites? (laughs) Sure. Yeah, so like you guys, I'm not a financial advisor. So my answer to what should you do is do what is comfortable for you, right? Like if you're somebody who's like, look, I want to profit on the big swings in the market and the wild volatility that we have, then trading might be a good route. If you're somebody who's like, look, the the markets scare me enough. I just want to buy and hold forever. That's fine too. But find an avenue that fits your personality and risk tolerance and and stick with it. And if, if I could just give like one piece of advice, it would be like, don't get caught up in the hype and then f- just throw money at projects without having any understanding of what you're doing. You know, like I I come from the the traditional uh, angel investing world as well. Like I've invested in in quite a few startups from the the traditional VC route and I I just see a lot of people that are looking at ICOs as like get rich quick tokens without really understanding what they're throwing money at. And my kind of prediction or projection over the next 6 months is Not only are we going to have a lot more regulation in that space, but there's going to be a lot of people that are going to lose money on a lot of these ICOs that are obvious, just kind of blatant scams. So just do your research and only invest in stuff that you truly understand and truly believe has a future.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like penny stocks in many ways, right? Because people think that they can buy thousands of these tokens, you know, really cheap, that somehow having thousands of them makes them more valuable. And that's not really how it works. So Chris Dunn, thanks so much for being with us on the Bad Crypto Podcast. Chris's website is chrisdunn.com. His YouTube channel, Chris Dunn TV. Just type his name on YouTube. uh, Really hard to miss. You'll see his bright, shiny bitcoiny smile and if you want to take advantage of chris's bitcoin basics course in fact chris why don't you just kind of give the 30 second lowdown on what's in that
2: yeah so we have a a free bitcoin basics course that just talks about some of the fundamentals of trading and investing and obviously some of the basics of of cryptocurrencies but you know my, my goal is just to help people become educated about investing and help people understand why they're doing what they're doing and hopefully end up on the right side of the market
0: excellent you guys can check that out at badco.in forward slash chris chris thanks again chris thanks guys appreciate it
1: absolutely we really appreciate that and uh, thanks for joining us man great stuff make sure if you guys are on the bad crypto Podcast's audience go check him out on the youtubes he's got a lot of great stuff over there
0: Good stuff there from Mr. Chris Dunn. Always a pleasure to have knowledgeable guests on here that teach us, that school us in the realm of cryptocurrency. And I hope that you have learned something today. Travis and I continue to learn. And this podcast is partially about our journey of discovery and how we share it with you. Uh, and the other part is two parts milk and a teaspoon of cinnamon.
1: And I thought it was a spoonful of sugar it's the medicine go down
0: oh a little mary poppins that was was really
1: bad that's really old i remember seeing that as a kid but yeah so you know that's what's going on there's some crazy stuff going on in this space we are the ones with the torchlight to help the pioneers go through the jungle that is the crypto jungle so we want to say thank you Go, 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 go. <laughs> Thanks for in. Thank you. big thank you to Chris Dunn for uh, giving us an informative interview on the state of uh the coinage no. and uh we are trying to figure out all the coin fusion going on, so we really appreciate that. And until the next episode, Joel, what are the, what should they do?
0: Welcome to the jungle, we got Bitcoin here. Stay bad.